This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. You're listening to the West MY podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi! Hello and welcome to the West Hamway podcast with myself, Dave Walker, an XWHU employee. It's another defeat to reflect on. Moy seems to have lost the fans, but has he lost the dressing room? Can he turn this around? At least in the short term, X puts up an argument for keeping him before giving us the latest news and reading questions from patrons of the West Hamway. The Brentford game was a big one and we lost it. Prior to the game, we both voiced our frustrations over Moyes sticking with the same underperforming players, the same formation, the same style of play. But before we talk about the performance, let's talk about the fact that for the first time in a long time, he actually did make changes going into this game. What did you make of those changes? Um, I certainly agreed with dropping Thomas Suchek. Um, yeah. I think that was a big move and the right move. I thought for the first 15, 20 minutes, probably we played well. I thought it made a difference not having him there because I thought um, Rice and uh, Pakatel were starting to be really effective in central midfield. Um, so it, initially it worked. There is the argument to say that had he been there for that long throw in, which I'll go into more details on that in a bit, but he, he might have headed it away. But I think it was the right decision to not play Suchek. Um, I think playing with Bonner was very risky against a physical and fast team. Um, I wasn't sure whether that was the right move personally. And I think Emerson was ineffective as well. So kind of credit to Moyes for trying something new. And as I said, had Rice's shot got in rather than hit the post, could have been looking at a very different game. But um, it, it, he made the changes and I think Yes, Suchet coming out was the right one, but ultimately the result was still the same. So it's hard to really know whether it was a good thing or not. 
Mm, yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, look, like you, I, I praise David Moyes for making those changes and dropping Suchek being the standout change. But I thought five at the back at home against Brentford. And I've looked at that and I thought, wow, is that the most um, positive move that you can make? going into this game. And I wasn't too sure about that, but then I was pleasantly surprised because one thing that was absolutely crucial to this game, I thought was starting well, something that we haven't done and don't typically do um, as regular as we should do. And uh, I think this time around we did start well. And I thought the first goal would be crucial in terms of uh, our psychology, in terms of the atmosphere in the stadium. And it didn't go our way, but you could argue that it should have because I thought we were the better side for the first 10 to 15 minutes. Um, But... That first goal goes in and it, it it kind of felt to me like we couldn't recover from it. Like psychologically, we were a bit damaged from it. And uh, I don't know if generally amongst the group, there's a confidence issue. It certainly looks to me like no one's enjoying their football. And it, it just, it has that feel to me, like the rot is really and truly setting in. And it doesn't take much for our heads to go if that makes sense. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, no, I do. I do agree with you. And I think the problem you've got is the players are on fragile confidence. You know, they would be given the performances and the and the league position and so on. And so that's why when teams are struggling, they always say, get that early goal against them and you and you should be you should win the game. And that, that was the case against West Ham. And unfortunately, I hate to say it, but the, the fans you know, are very fragile as well. So the minute that first goal went in, I thought the atmosphere was quite drained anyway to start with. I wouldn't have said it was the most the most amazing atmosphere I've ever walked into. And then the minute the goal goes in, the head starts to drop from the fans as well. And there was the occasional rally attempt to try and get the support going. But on the whole, that, that happens. And that's what always happens when the team is struggling. And, you know, I think that was apparent. And there's so many players whose confidence at club level is, is on the brink of being a real issue for them. You know, as you said, there's Gerald Bowen, who's really not performed this year. Obviously, Suchek, um, Pakita in terms of his West Ham performances, Skamaka, you know, you go through all of those players and every single one of them really, is, is, apart from possibly Ben Rama and maybe Declan, could you say that any of them are playing with particular confidence now? Probably not. No. No, no. That's a, and that is a big issue. And, you know, it's, it's such a tough call at the moment because I do believe if that Rice goal had gone in, that shot had gone in, things would have been very different because we did play well for the first 15, 20 minutes. And, you know, like you say, it has that, like, the, for me, the, the most concerning thing for me in the whole game was we were losing, um, you know, we were losing the game. And then at half time, it just did nothing change for the first 15, 20 minutes. Didn't make any subs, even though we were chasing the game. And it was just a very, very poor effort in the second half to try and turn the game around. And that, for me, was the most worrying thing because I thought, you know, they played all right in the first half. It is not unlucky because the goals were the goals and we didn't score our goals, but really on the balance of play, we should have been in a better position. But, um, but you know, we've considered two first half goals and we should be coming out. Antonio should have been on from the start. We should have been going for it full out to try and get a goal back early on. And it just didn't seem to be that effort levels to get the goal back. And then that's where I start to think, geez, this is a really dire situation. Yeah, I think that's the right phrase, dire. I really do, because I think it's time to to start seriously worrying now. Because I, I think Moyes has lost the fans now. 
And I think yeah. there is a, a good case to say that he's probably lost a dressing room. You would know better than I would, and maybe that's going to come in your section. It seems to me like he has. Like I say, you look at the the, the, the player's body language, um, you look at whether they look like they're enjoying their football, whether they're responding to his instructions, all of those things. For me, it, it, it's just an air of negativity at the moment. When we're carrying that kind of aura as a side, like we're doomed do you know you know that sort of relegation riddled feel that you have as a football club? And we've experienced that God knows how many times as West Ham fans, but it feels like we have that. And I know it's ridiculous to say because it's not as if we're 35 games into a season. We're not even at the halfway mark yet in the season. We're not but even it in the just relegation feels that zone. way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that's true. But you know, again, a couple of wins and it's it's very different. But the problem is, X, I'm struggling to see where those wins are going to come from because in my mind now the way things are, it's almost like I'm getting these sort of horrible flashbacks of you're not too good to go down now. Yeah. And I'm getting sort yeah. of visions of 2003 again now. Mm-hmm. And even though we've got a good group of players, we just can't get the results. And if we don't get the results in January, February is horrible, by the way. So if yeah. you end February without the points you need, then suddenly this does become a reality and it does become shit. We are banging trouble here. And that's why looking ahead, I think we're we're actually banging trouble now, and I, I and I think he he should have he should have been sacked after the Brentford game. Now, now there is then obviously another argument to say, well, who comes in? But a sub argument to that is, I think, I think we're at a stage now, Eric, where pretty much anyone, anyone can come in and just just bring something new to the table just by a, a, a different face in the dressing room. Can, I think that person has come in already. Well, let's hope so. I mean, the time uh, will tell, won't it? Time will tell. I mean, a few people, few people calling for him to come in as the gaffer. Yeah, I, I don't think so. But I think having him back, and obviously we're talking about Mark Noble here, having him back is absolutely crucial. His official um, first day was yesterday. Um, obviously, footballs don't work around bank holidays as such, so he'd be in now. What I would be doing straight away, if I was if I was David Moyes, I would get him to come into the training ground today. Um, I would get him to talk to the players. I would get him to reflect on times when he's been in this situation before, because he has. You know, under Bilic, under Pellegrini, he's been there and had to try and get his team out of it. I would get him on the, however they're travelling up to Leeds, get him in the hotel. I would get him to talk to some of the players about how they're performing, what it means to play for this club. I would do the team talk and setting up the tactics and see a manager's got to do something otherwise he might as well not be there and then I would walk out with 10 minutes to kick off and I would just say look lads I've set you up how you need to play today I can't say anymore you've just got to go out and follow what I've said I'm going to leave you in the hands of Mark Noble and I would walk out and I would say because got to remember Moyes and Noble have a good relationship a very good relationship and I would say to I would if I was Moyes I would say to Noble you've got 10 minutes with them get them up for this game Mm, and yeah. whilst, that, whilst that it shouldn't be Noble's job it should be the manager's job I think that's yeah. the situation we're in now yeah yeah you're right yeah I mean you have to use him in the best way possible and it is no coincidence that we've actually fallen apart without him now I'm not saying it's purely down to the fact that Mark Noble isn't there anymore but it's 
definitely a factor, without a shadow of a doubt. And mate, you'd, you'd, you'd use your coaches in that way anyway. It's not, you know, you could say, well, what's the hell, how, point of having Moyes as manager? There are many managers that do that. You know, you, you're not talking about something that we have to do because Moyes is so rubbish at his job. There are managers, great managers over the years. You know, you look at Brian Clough and um, Peter Taylor. They used to alternate responsibilities and that's why they're a great partnership. Some of the assistant managers that Alex Ferguson had in his, his reign, they would be used for different things. So it's not a, I mean, obviously he's being called in as a reflection because Moyes is in the trouble he's in, but to use Noble in that way wouldn't necessarily undermine him. Mm. I know this sounds very dramatic, but do you think there's a chance some of the new players might be on the front of their agent saying, I've dropped a right bollock here coming to West Ham. Can you get me out of here? I did think Packers' body language when he got subbed off and, and towards the end was poor. I thought Scamacher's was as well. So it wouldn't surprise me. I don't know factually. It wouldn't surprise me if they're thinking what is going on. However, from what I've heard, particularly with Scamacher, he likes living in London. He, he likes playing for West Ham. Obviously, any player that's in this situation is not going to be happy. The fans are very negative at the moment. I've had to get off Twitter. I, it, like, I can't read it. I can only read my notifications because you've got fans that... Yes, everyone's passionate and everyone wants West Ham to get out of the trouble we're in. Of course, of course we do. But I saw a couple of people, and they're obviously the complete minority, but I saw a couple of people try and not necessarily defend David Moyes, but say that they think that David Moyes is, you know, still the man for the job. We need to give him more time, et cetera, et cetera. The arguments I was kind of making a bit last week, and they were absolutely shot down to the point where people were calling them fucking mugs, calling them calling them not fans, calling them fucking idiots. Like literally the abuse these people were getting for trying to offer an alternative opinion. And, and I think, unfortunately, that is the current toxicity if that's the word of West Ham fans at the moment. And, and and sadly, you know, it has been brought upon. There's been poor performances in a dodgy situation. They pay their money, so they're within their rights. But it is a very sort of negative feel at the moment. And I think, I think unfortunately, that is going to have an effect on some of the players. You know, you're trying to settle in a country. I look, you know, I'm not going to name drop him because I'll never name specifically who they are. But it's very obvious. You don't have to be Einstein to work out. But I know a couple of players and I do speak to them. You know, I've never named them. I'd never say who they were. None of them tell me anything. So there's nothing to worry about in that respect. They just give me the odd, you know, their opinions on things. And all of them feel like, you know, they, they read what West Ham fans are saying. They know it's negative out there. Like one of them has been very down about some of the comments. And I think there is this just real feeling of negativity. And if you, you could argue, yes, they're paid a lot of money. That's their job. They need to turn it around. But it's like anything. When you're reading that constant stuff about you, it is going to affect you. And I'm not trying to shift the blame onto the fans. I'm not. Because obviously we're in this situation um, because of the way things are going on the pitch. But the negativity would make things difficult for these players. I don't know if there's any that particularly want to get out of the club immediately. If I was to name one, I'd maybe suggest Paqueta's body language suggests that he might. But I don't know factually if that's the case but it is a concern <laughs> the bottom line is we're just going to turn this around as soon as possible as soon. I'm stating the absolute obvious but for every aspect of this football club we need to get a couple of wins and things suddenly will feel different mm, yeah I know it's very true and look I know the fan base are, are up in arms at the moment and uh, everything is very depressing but what I will say is when you talk about these players and maybe you've spoken to a couple of them yourself and they've given you this feedback directly I'm not saying it's right, 
on social media, but it is reality and it is life. We all have to deal with it at different levels of life. It doesn't matter if yeah. you're a celebrity or whether you're a no one. Mm. In certain moments in life, you will come across criticism and stick. Maybe that's a little bit harsh. Maybe it's a bit over the top. It is reality. So either come off social media. Yeah, which is what I've said. Permanently exactly or, te- or temporarily. Delete or, or do you know what? Don't be part of these bollocky, antagonistic fucking tweets yeah, that the, says... Do you know what? That's media orientated, though, isn't it? I mean, of course, the players do ultimately have control over them, but that's the that's the, the media team. Oh, but they did my head in, mate. You know, know. stick with us, stay positive, we go again. Oh, fuck off. You know, actually know. speak out of the words, don't they? And this is the thing. It's, it, it's really not... I don't know. It's, it's really not helping at the moment. It, it just seems like nothing is going right. Well, that's why I that's why I didn't bother the last two times to do a man of the match poll. Now it no. goes against everything that we've tried to do because we want to do a collective representation at the end of the season of who's had the most amount of matches and players can play well in a defeat. You know, they might be the only one, but they can still put in a shift. I would suggest Ben Rama is one of those players. I think he's still playing well despite the fact that he could play better because he can score more and set more up but on the whole I think he's playing better than most players but I just stopped doing it because the, the comments underneath were just horrific and, and the abuse I was getting just for posting them just wasn't worth it so I stopped and I agree you know the, the one that annoyed me a little bit the other day was um, Declan obviously did his post-match interview and you know it was what he said was fair enough and it was it was professional as always and everything and then and then that was done. It was done and dusted. It was said the day before. We already heard it from him. It didn't need to be said again. And then the next day, the official Twitter account or website or whatever put out a quote of that yeah. interview saying yeah. basically what you've just said, come on, we need to stick together, all that stuff. <laughs> and you just kind of think we've already heard that. We yeah. don't need to hear it again. It's not no. going to help thing. And then you read the comments underneath. And Declan wouldn't have put that tweet out. That was what done by the club. But you mm. read the comments underneath. You need to fucking raise your game. You're the captain of the club. Stop talking bullshit and play football. Get out of our club if you don't want to play for it. You're an Irish. You're a Judas to Ireland. You're a Judas to us. Like Just a load of abuse. And you kind of think like, I mean, I don't know whether he read that or not, but you kind of think, why did the club almost set that up to happen when it's already been said anyway? Yeah, yeah, it's like they've um, they've tried to fill a bit of silence in it and just pull yeah. anything in, and, and, and I don't know, I don't know in in what world that would have been a good idea, but they've done it, and mm. and after what actually has been a bit of a PR turnaround for West Ham in recent yeah. times. Certain things that they're putting out at the moment is just um, is a bit of a concern. And uh, in terms of putting things out, X, I mean, in his post-match interview, Moyes said that we played well against mm-hmm. Brentford. We played really well in the first half and played well in the second half. Does that worry you a little bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it's hard to to say the right thing in any defeat, isn't it? Because if he comes out and says we were terrible, we were awful, then he'll be accused of you know, building on the negativity of ruining the players' confidence, you know, of, of being um, being too negative. You know, it's a very hard situation for him to say anything and say the right thing. But if he genuinely believes that we played well, then, then that is very concerning. I think he'd be right for the first 15, 20 minutes, maybe even 25 minutes up until their goal, if he specified that. But I tell you what, their goal was the most predictable goal ever. Now, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna name him because obviously he does he does work for the site and, and I don't think people really know the role that he has within football. But I'm gonna just give a little bit of an insight and it also explains why he has to be a little bit careful on what he says sometimes. But Mad Dog is very involved with the referees and very involved with the pre-match um, build-up in certain games, how the games go, and he gets allocated to cer- to certain games. Now, <clears throat> I, I obviously I actually met up with him before the game um, against Brentford and I talked to him for about maybe five, ten minutes and would you believe he didn't abuse me once but within, <laughs> within, within that ten minutes the right man <clears throat> yeah exactly and within about five, ten minutes I mean people would have seen us we were in um, I actually was lucky enough to be able to go into one of the lounges um, on, against Brentford and and he was, and we were standing there. So some, some patrons may have seen us. Um, and anyway, I was talking to him and he said what, and it was before the game, he said before the game, what the ref has got to look for, and it's very well known, and, and that Martin had already told, had told the ref this, was that Brentford um, always take ages with their goal kicks. When the ball goes behind, the goalkeeper takes ages to get it and ages to play it out. They do the same thing with the throw-ins because they do a long throw. And what they do is they get the long throw and then the person taking it, like, you know, dries the ball, d- d- like stands there for a while watching, blah, blah, blah. And what that player's watching for is for the opposition to switch off. So like obviously, the longer he stays at the throw-in, as long as he can max it, the players are waiting, they're waiting, they're waiting. And the Brent- Brentford know what they're going to do every time because they do the same routine in training and so on. So they throw it to the near post, the guy flicks it on, and then someone else tries to follow in with it. And their first goal was literally, literally identical as to how Martin described it to me. Now, what is worrying is that he, he knows that through assessing referees, you know, why have we allowed that to happen when it's so obvious that people know that that's what their tactic is going to be? And that and that concerns me as well. That concerns me an obvious tactical error. When we were told how much we focus on the opposition as well, that's not been picked up. Um, and so, yeah, there are a number of concerning things to me. Like, look, I'm, I'm still sitting here praying praying that when we go to Leeds tomorrow, and Leeds is a bloody tough game, they've just got to draw at Newcastle, but when we go there, West Ham fans will go there, it's a big game, you know, it's a good atmosphere against Leeds, we'll go there with a positive attitude, Moyes will pick a, a positive team, and we'll nick a result, and then we'll nick a result against Brentford, and then things do feel different, and, and maybe I'm deluded, and maybe I'm just going to get a whole load of abuse, because I can't think of what an alternative will be, I'm hoping that Mark Noble back, We've also got to remember that Gwed should be fit. He's our record signing centre back. Um, with Zuma should be fit. If not, not for Leeds, he won't be, but should be fit soon. Then you're talking sixty million pounds worth of centre back. There, you're talking about a guy that played in the World Cup semi final or would have played if he wasn't injured. And you're talking about the French international as well. Immediately, and they're both at 26, 27. Immediately, if you put those two set guys in defence, that is a better defence um, than than we've had it by a long way in any other game. And then, if you can get Cornet fit, you've got another option up front, um, or an attacking option. I just hope with the comeback of Noble and those players from fitness, we can just sort this situation out. I'm not confident we will, but I pray that that's what happens. Mm, you and me both, mate. So as it stands, then I mean, are you? I know, I know you're not comfortable with David Moyes being in charge, but you are 
still kind of backing him to be in charge. Is that fair to say? You wouldn't have backed him after the Brentford game. No, just, just. Now, don't get me wrong. I was sitting there at that Brentford game and I was thinking, God, this is awful. Like, really, really awful. And, um, you know, I was at the Arsenal game and I never do this. I left 10 minutes early so I could get back on Boxing Day at a reasonable time and stuff. And and I, I, I'm at the brink. I honestly am at the brink of thinking this has got to stop now. But there's a couple of factors, well, three or four factors that are sort of just... Just, just making me hold on just and I'm you know there's people sitting there probably going are oh, you fucking mug as, as I read on social media but listen you've got to hear an alternative opinion just because you're convinced you're right I'm not saying you I'm Dave I'm saying mm. West Ham fans generally um, yeah. you've got to you, there is always an alternative argument to everything we've been in these situations before and, and under Moyes and he's got us out of it the situation is we have lost our two biggest, best centre-backs, um, one for the whole season pretty much, and the other recently. We get those two back fit. Things will be different. Cornet is a loss as well. Whether he'll be back or not, mm. I don't know, but that is a loss because he's an attacking threat on the left-hand side that can score goals and gives us another option. Um, Noble, Luke going was a massive loss for us. He is now back. They're also, to me, and I know people don't like this comment, but the alternatives aren't out there. People go, Pochettino, I've already said on this show, now it's not a close source of mine, but it is someone that spoke to the man directly, spoke to him directly and asked, and I asked him to do it. He said, I'm in a, he said, I ran me in a box with Pochettino at, at the World Cup. And, you know, people might even be able to work out who he is eventually, if I say much more. But I said to him, right, mate, you've got to go up to him and ask him, would he be interested in the West Ham job? And, you know, obviously he's probably going to give a diplomatic answer. He's never going to show his cards too much. But he went up to him and he said, would you be interested in the West Ham job? And his words were, no, unfortunately, I've got too much of a tie to Tottenham to want to take that job. Then that's Pochettino. I've been, you know, things could change if you throw money at them, maybe, but that's where it stands at the moment. And the board have also backed this up. Then you've got Tunchel or Tunchel. How do you bloody pronounce his name? People tell me I say it wrong. Every week. Christ knows, mate. I'm with you on that. To be honest, okay, well, him. You know, you all know who I'm talking about. And I'm yeah. very. I've been told that he is very clear that he wants to either manage international or he or he fancies a, a, another club. Now, again, I've not heard that directly myself. But and maybe if you throw money at him, it could happen. Then you go to Brazil. He's been interviewed twice before at West Ham, twice before when Bilic got the job and when Moyes, I think it was Moyes or another point, I can't remember the other point, but definitely at least once categorically he's been interviewed by West Ham and he turned down the job. He's also stated he only likes to manage one club City, uh, one city clubs. Now, I don't know if that's the case or not. Again, I've not heard that directly, but that's what's been said. So, would he take the job? I don't know. Is he the right man for the job? I don't know. Scott Parker's already taken a job at Club Bruges now, so he's out the running. And he starts to go through and wouldn't, you know, we talked about the Celtic manager and please don't get going again, Dave, because I don't want to go down that route again. But we talked talked about the Celtic manager. I did chase up my information. Now, it's kind of proves that we were both right almost that he would be interested in the West Ham job, but maybe, you know, you know, know, certainly in terms of discussions, obviously we'd be able to pay a lot more than we'd get out there. But at the moment, obviously he's got a project at Celtic for this season that he might, you know, walk away from where you're probably going to get glory there and maybe you know who knows you're going to get West Ham it wouldn't be clear cut they take the job and then you go through and you think well who's that people talked about Michael Carrick he's only managed 9, 10, 15 whatever it is games and yes he's done bloody well 
But um, but is he is he the complete solution yet? Yeah, you don't know. Then they people talk about Southampton manager that got sacked. You know he got sacked from Southampton. You know that's that's the the first thing to say on that. And I just kind of think, you know, would we be taking a risk? Sean Dyche, Sean Dyche. I think for me, if I was to predict, I would predict the job. If we did sack boys, we'd either go to Paul Burton for a few games and see how he does. Or Sean Dyche on a, maybe a six-month contract to the end of the season with the promise of keeping us up. And it's a, a new contract, sorry, if he keeps us up. If these are things that make me just think, come on, boys, just turn this around for us, just turn it around now. And that's why. And I'm not convinced he's the right man for us. The, the performances have been poor, very poor. Um, and the players don't look like they're particularly playing for him either. So, yes, I, I'm like on the brink. And I think if we get battered to Leeds, and we get battered at Brentford, that I, I don't think I'd be able to defend him. I, I don't think I could. I'd, I'd like to think he'd get the Everton the Wolves game, we'd win those. But, you know, you can't. The problem is he's lost five games in a row now. If you lose six in the Premier League in a row, no manager really survives that. Um, and throwing the cup as well, then, um, then it's, yeah, that's a really dodgy situation. Yeah, it is grim. I mean, another name that's been thrown around, and again, I, I've said this on a previous show, I'm no expert when it comes to European managerial names, but Tedesco is a name that, that keeps coming up on my timeline on social yeah, media. Me too. Do you know anything about him? Is he a shout? Well, again, I mean, it's hard to judge because he's never he's never managed in the Premier League. And now that's not, that's not you know, the be-all and end-all. Arsene Wenger had never managed in the Premier League. We're talking of before he took Arsenal. You know, Alex Ferguson never had before he took Man United. You know, you go through and, you, and there's arguments to say that's just a load of rubbish. But, you know, he, and I'm talking about the, the Celtic manager, which is interesting because since we mentioned his name about two or three months ago, there was no talk of him. And now there seems to be quite a lot of momentum also in his homeland of Australia as well. I've seen it reported, but I'm looking at Tedesco's career here. Now, he's, he's 37, which I think is the new thing now to get managers in younger. So they'll be the first time West Ham ever had a manager that's younger than both you and I. So yeah, that's, that's real, depressing. Yeah, I was going to say, that's quite depressing in itself. <laughs> but when you look at his managerial career, you know, he first managed in 2007 and he managed um, a club called, um, and again, my pronunciations are going to let me down here, but Erzinburg. Um, in Germany, and he and he and he kept them up, and he had a good run. But his run, he finished with six wins, two draws, and three losses. You know, which is good. You know, for a relegation club, and he kept them up. And fair play to him. Then he went to Schalke, and he managed to take a real struggling side because Schalke have been in real difficulty recently, and he took them to second place in the Bundesliga, which you know is an amazing achievement. Amazing achievement. Definitely, but then after a seven-nil defeat to Manchester City um, in the Champions League um, and seven games without a win, he was then sacked from Schalke in 2019. He then went to Spartak Moscow. Right now, obviously, we all know again in Russia things are <laughs> a bit uncertain to say the least. So it's not um, not probably been the ideal situation. But um, again, he he managed early and he seems to have done well. You know, he kept them. It says here I'm reading Wikipedia that he generally kept them at the top of the league, gaining popularity for his personality. Blah 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 blah. But then on the 16th of December 2020, he announced he will not extend his contract because of the COVID impact. He wants to be able to spend more time with his family. So he kind of walked out on, on them. Um, um, and, but then Slavon Bilic, you know, and other managers have done really well in 
Was it seven billion? So I've got the wrong person there. But other managers have done well in Russia and um, not turned it on. Then he went to Leipzig, bearing in mind that they've got a lot of money, a lot of money in German um, league, took over the head coach position there, got them to the semi-finals of the Europa League where they lost to Rangers. You know, when we were all saying we would like to have played Rangers because we thought we would have beaten them. They lost to Rangers in the semi-final. Um, they got to the cup final, which they lost on penalty. As And then despite a successful start to the 22-23 season, um, he was sacked after a 4-1 Champions League loss to Donetsk. So he's basically been sacked, you know, two times when he's had a top job in Germany. And, you know, it just makes you think, is, that, is he really as good as... Everyone's making out. I don't know. I'd never heard of him before. People started talking about him, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't fill me with confidence. And I'm sorry if there's other people that disagree with me, um, but it just it just doesn't fill me with confidence at that point. But I almost think we need to get to the summer and reassess where we are there. If um, obviously if we're going to go down, we need to get rid of Moyes much quicker than that. But get if we're going to get rid of Moyes, you get someone in on a six-month contract or something, and then we try and bring in the right man in the summer if that isn't the six-month contract man. But it's just not a good situation. And people will argue, how comes Villa managed to get um, Emery? How comes Wolves got a manager in? How comes all these clubs got a manager in? Yeah, that question is not for me to answer, but there's a, you know, the board have made it clear that they, when I asked them what would happen with Moyes, they said there's no one available that they think would do a better job. So that to me suggests that they would only look at someone that's not in contract. That's not what I would do, but that's what they would do, and that's the board we've got, and it won't change. And this is what worries me. Because I know what you're saying in terms of who's available, who comes in, but it's reached a point now, I believe, where it's got so stale with David Moyes. And this happens in football. It happens with managers at football clubs where regardless of their achievements, sometimes just doing the same thing every day in training, having the same conversations with the same manager, you know, going through the same setups, it just reaches a point where it does just go stale. And I think we're at that point with David Moyes. And because of that... I almost feel like anyone could take over and just do a better job because it is just that revitalization that that everyone would get by a new face coming in. It's mm. just it's just something new, it's something fresh. It's picking these players up because it's not as if we've got a dog shit squad. And and I'm fed up with the excuses now. We talk about a transitional season. Not many clubs have had more of a transitional season than, than Newcastle have, and they're absolutely fucking flying. And and Arsenal, I mean, look at the bold decisions they've made. Yeah, it's, but mate, when you look at both those clubs, sorry to interrupt, but when you look at both those clubs, yeah, people are saying that Newcastle's squad is and um isn't that good and stuff, but they still spend a hell of a lot of money. Yes, no, not on, yeah, I know, but not on the superstars, but on that you know that they built they have spent money and got a new manager in and stuff. But you look at Arsenal, look what happened with Arteta. The, the fans were absolutely they got rid of Wenger, then they got rid of Emre, then they were basically on the brink. I saw that guy that says What's his name? I've forgotten his name now. Arsenal Fan TV, bro. Not the main guy of the other one, is it? Oh, they're all fucking idiots, well, mate. You know, the, you know the one that says, like, you be a blood, that one? Oh, right? that's whack. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember, but I know who you're talking about. Yeah, so I saw, I remember, I clearly remember watching a programme, well, a clip of him saying, oh, Teta, blood, he's finished, he's got to go, all this crap. You know, we need to get rid of him, blah, 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 blah. And now look at them. So there are yeah, times... Yeah, but- 
Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, though, mate, what I'm what I'm saying is, regardless of of what journey they've they've got to 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 get to this season, this season is still classed as a transitional season. They've made bold decisions. They've made big changes within their squad, as have Newcastle, and it it, it seems to have only gone one way. Whereas West Ham, we've gone the other way. I don't yeah, know, I know. What, whether it's just typical West Ham, but. I don't know. This is the thing. And the other thing is as well, you know, some people are saying that maybe we've just been found out now. I mean, I don't know what you think about this because for me, and maybe I'm oversimplifying the game, but if you have a good group of players and a system that works, which again, that's up for debate, how easy is that? And should that be to derail? I mean, you think of the dominance of Liverpool in the 80s and Man United in the 90s, you go overseas and the endless amount of of um, clubs you can list, whether it's Barcelona, Real Madrid, how long they've dominated for, same with Ajax and Holland, Bayern Munich and Germany, the list goes on. Why are West Ham, whilst we're not in that category, so easy to suss out after two years, two years of successful football. Well, I think I think the problem with with West Ham, and, and you know, I said it on last week's show, and I hate to say it, and you know, I, I'm almost again dreading the comments after this, but I hope people do appreciate that you do get a balance here, as opposed to just like sensationalised, like whatever you want to call it elsewhere here. What I would say is, have we overachieved these last two years? When have West Ham ever in their history, aside from in the 60s, where we you know, had three England World Cup stars and the, probably the best defender in the world at the time, um, where, you know, even then, we won the FA Cup in 64, the European Cup in 65, and then the World Cup in 66 and didn't, and didn't win anything else after that. When have West Ham ever qualified for Europe twice and finished in the top seven or whatever it was in the league two years in a row in our history? Never. Even in the season when we finished third in 86, but within two, three years we were relegated. So what have have our our expectations been raised to beyond what is actually capable of West Ham. I'm not saying I necessarily agree with that, but I'm throwing out that opinion. Yes, we've got a 60,000 stadium now. We don't own it at the moment. Um, and, it's not, and people say it's not fit for purpose in terms of football and stuff. Um, and yes, we are. We should be a bigger club. And yes, we were promised to be a bigger club. But are we actually? Yes, we spent a lot of money in the summer, but then lots of clubs spend lots of money. That money that we spent in the summer was a lot by West Ham standards. But then you look through throughout the league and, and clubs spend a lot of money nowadays. So are, are our expectations too high? When David Moyes came in to take the job the second time and the first time, but let's talk about this current spell now, West Ham are in a relegation zone. And so, yes, we've had those two seasons, but we're in the relegation, well, in a relegation battle right now. So maybe we're just back where we were before and he's got to, or someone else has got to take us on again. I don't know the answers, mate. I, I'm not, a, you know, a need, a, a, in, uh, what's the word, able to predict these things. But this West Ham that people have got used to the last two years, two, two European spells, is a West Ham that I've never supported. You know, I've, I've supported West Ham in the championship, for three, four seasons of my life. I've supported most seasons, been happy with a mid-table finish at best. I've never seen West Ham win anything in a cup. I've seen us get to a semi-final of the FA Cup and the League Cup two or three times, maybe. Um, not Certainly not a European Cup. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe our expectations are beyond what is actually realistic. Now, I don't know. 
I don't mm. know. I'm not even sure if I agree with what I'm saying there. I'm just trying to throw an alternative opinion out there because yeah, we, can, uh, we, can, yeah. we can all sit here, mate. And, I, and again, this is not meant at anyone in particular, but we can all sit here and I see it on Twitter every single day. Sit here and go, Moyes has got to go. You fucking mugs. How can you not see it? He's lost the dressing room. He haven't won a game in five games. His tactics are awful. Blah, 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 blah. We can all say that because that's the obvious thing to say. And it'd be much easier for me to sit here now on this podcast and say to everyone, Moyes has got to go with shit blah, 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 as everyone else as the majority of people are saying but you know you've got to consider the alternatives and, and, and maybe that is the case I don't know I'm on the brink of being one of those people that think boys has got to go out honestly it's like if you used to put it in percentages there's probably 52% give boys a bit more time 48% get rid of him I'm very close now but I but you've got to consider other alternative arguments to it and maybe that is one the expectations are just too high and there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't agree that the expectations are too high. I think they should be where they are. Yeah, you want them to because you want West Ham to win things and stuff. Of course, yeah, we all yeah, but they've also proved that they can do it, X. This isn't like a Leicester City or one season wonder. It's a two, two seasons. Season. Yeah, two seasons. Well, it's only one more than Leicester. Yeah, but it's still two seasons, X. Unless I mean, we're talking the league. close to 80 games in the Premier League where we were consistently delivering good performances, good wins and, and, and stability within the Premier League. So with that does come expectation. And the problem is, and this brings me to my next point, and this will be the only defence I will bring to David Moyes, is that the players are hiding behind David Moyes at the moment. Oh, 100%. There's no two ways yeah. about it. Declan 100%. Rice, right, whilst he's, I think his performances have been decent this season, he's not the same player as he was last season. He's the, in second, my opinion. Best. He's the, he's the second best player this season, in my opinion. Ben Rama is hammer of the year. Declan Rice yeah. is second. And unfortunately yeah. for Declan, though, a lot of what he does, and again, people are going to say I should stick up for him, but what he can make a run, burst through the mid, from defence from mid, and midfield, break up the block, win the ball, burst from mid defence and midfield, lay it off to Antonio and Antonio could do an air shot you know and, and that is the, what he's working with at the moment yeah well fair enough but in my opinion from what I'm seeing I, I don't think his performances are consistently mirroring what it has been in previous seasons. Now, again, that's another debate. Is it because of where his head's at? Is it because he don't want to be here anymore? I don't know. Jared Bowen, where's he been? I mean, he's yeah. been massive for West Ham. He, he still hasn't turned up this season. No. We're close to 20 games in. I don't know where the fella's head's at. He's no. a different player this season. Yeah. You know, but, but then you look at the fact that that coupled with these new players coming in, 
you know, there wasn't one signing where I thought, I don't like the look of him. Mm. But but then I don't know if they're struggling to gel. So there is there is that argument for David Moyes. And the injuries I, as well. Well, and injuries, yeah, that is true. But I, I just think that we go back to looking at David Moyes and, and tactically um, setting up in the way that he does and sticking with underperforming players the way that he does, Suchek being the biggest culprit of that. Again, you know, he's a former Hammer of the Year. He doesn't even look like a Premier League player the last two seasons, let alone a West Ham player. I don't think he ever looks like a Premier League player, personally. I think he scored goals, and, and when he was scoring goals, that that clouded over, because obviously scoring goals is the most important thing in football, but that actually clouded over the fact that as a technically, as a footballer, he, wasn't, he isn't actually that good. But yeah, well, maybe I mean it's an argument. I mean, I, I thought personally, Sorry, I know you disagree with this. I, I thought he deserved the hammer of the year with the year he won it. But there is an argument to say that, yeah, quite possibly when you look at the fact that goals can mask the actual ability of a player. I do understand what you're saying. I think he's like a Kevin Nolan. If you remember when Kevin Nolan was at West Ham, I don't think Kevin Nolan, other than great leadership as well, offered that much in terms of overall play. You know, he never won the ball. He never beat three or four men, pinged fifty-yard quality through balls. Or or whatever, but he always in the right position to score important goals because he was getting you from midfield 15 plus goals a season. Then you take that because obviously that's massive. It's having two strikers on the pitch, but when those goals dry up, as was the case with Kevin Nolan, people start to say, Well, what does he offer? And it's the same with Suchek. Aside from scoring goals, I honestly don't believe if he wasn't six foot four, six foot five, there's no way he'd be a Premier League player. And I said that from day dot. Um, and and I, even when he was scoring goals for us and I don't like to be proven right oh I do actually to be fair but um, <laughs> but, um, but, in, but in, in that case um, in that case it, that was the issue and but you're right so many of these players are underperforming yes mm. you could argue get a new manager in and he'll sort them all out and turn them all around but will he? Is this not a proven formula? It, it might be the case, and more often than not, you're right. A new manager, a new fresh face comes in, and they shake things up, and shake things up, and teams do perform because you never want to play a team that's been off form and they've got a new manager. It's well known in football, but it's not. It's not proven. It's not guaranteed success. Um, and I and listen, as I said, I'm sitting here very much on the brink of being boys out. And maybe people will say to me, "I've come." too late to the party um, and stuff. But the bottom line is this season, we need to try and have a good run in the Europe, the European Cup, which at the moment we are on the brink of doing, and we need to stay up. That's what the objectives are of this season. It shouldn't be the objectives at the start of the season, but that's what they are right now. And um, and and then if we can do that, then then we need to start again the summer and look what's what's gone wrong and, and reinvent whatever did go wrong here this season. But um, I, I can't. I, I I just I don't know I don't know what I don't know what the answer is at the moment. And I I just pray that Mark Noble's return is going to have a massive massive impact on this club. And as I said, people will belittle that. But how many times it's like having a new sporting director coming in. It is it is effectively which it is because he is a sporting director. But like clubs do that, clubs bring in a new man to try and support things and change things. And we've effectively done that with the Mister West Ham. So I just hope. I hope that he can turn it around. I really do. Yeah, and that's what he would be doing, is turning it around, because sitting 17th uh, after 17 games with the group of players he's got is seriously worrying. And it does yeah, point towards the fact that he could be coming to, and could and should be coming to the end of his tenure at West Ham. I, I mean, agree. I, the, the, the question I've got for you, mm. and it's probably the, the question everyone has for you, listen to this show, is 
as it stands, whilst you have your concerns, as it stands, you are Moyes in. Just. if you, you Okay, so if you remove the emotional attachment of what he's done over the last two years, why are you just still Moyes in? Why is he still the man for the job? I've already indicated it. I think he's been, he's like, he's already, he's achieved a lot in terms of everything he's done since he's been at this club. He's kept us up twice when we needed him to, and he's then delivered seven place finishes. Um, I know that's in the past, but it, but then you're judging any manager that you appoint at West Ham on what they've achieved in the past because they've never they've never been at West Ham before, so you don't know what you're what they're going to do at West Ham. So any appointment you make, you're judging on what their past success is. As the board have said, if we were in this situation and David Moyes hadn't returned to the club, he would be one of the ones that the fans would probably be considering. I think the fact of the matter is, I don't believe he's lost the dressing room yet. I think he's on the brink of it. And I think there's a new numerous players that are unhappy, but I think on the whole, that on the whole, just they are playing for him as are the staff um, are still supporting him. So he's got that. I think that he's been unlucky with the centre-back injuries. Now, you know, people say all oh, clubs have injuries. They do, but we've had his, but he's had his numbers one signing, the signing he made the first signing ahead of anyone. You know, before we'd signed a Brazilian international or Italian international, he went out and he signed Aguered because he believed that was what was the the key position that needed fixing and then in, within two pre-season games he's done his ankle and as he's just come back and hasn't barely, I don't, he's barely played for us I think what well, he started one game for us as he now from memory um, hopefully he'll be back in the next couple of games he's then got his other key centre back who you know is it, has been playing all season with a dodgy knee um, he's now had the operation and he's meant to be much more um like feeling in the much less pain now with that knee. So you've got two centre backs in any team is is huge. If you if you take out two centre backs from Arsenal, from Manchester City, from Liverpool, look how much Liverpool suffered when Van Dijk got injured. You know, and and that's the the equivalent, but but double the amount. Um, so when you get him back, you get Mark Noble back. Any season where Mark Noble left was going to be hard, and I spelled that out. I'm not just stating the obvious, obvious with the benefit of hindsight. I said I've been saying that for the last three or four years. It'll be tough, um, and that's happened. But he's back now, so hopefully that will solve the problem. And I don't believe that there's particularly at this moment in time the the obvious manager that screams out to me that's going to come in and make the right decision. I do accept the performances have been terrible. We've lost the last five games, the one against Brentford being the worst, probably, and that was the last one. So I accept that. I watched them. I watched both managers. I happen to be sat behind the dugouts. Thomas Frank is making notes on pieces of paper, calling over players, speaking to them, changing things as the games going on. Moyes did none of that. Moyes called over Cresswell at one point, and Cresswell looked confused by what he'd said and just ran off, not appearing to understand what Moyes had said to him. There's that. There's the in-game substitutions. The, the like you said, sticking without form players. So I am very, very, very on the brink. But for the prior reasons, that's why I'm hoping give him Leeds, give him Brentford, and then we'll see. And if he loses them, then I'm wrong. I mean, he should have gone earlier. But um, least two tough we... games though coming up. I, I know they I'm are. Judging, man. I, I know, and least, and least though, with a couple more games, at least we will say as well, and people go, oh, what does that matter? But it does. Least we will show to any potential manager coming in that you are going to be given a chance at West Ham and, the, and to turn things around. When things get bad, look at Chelsea. 
Yeah, they they sack managers within seconds, uh, uh, and Tottenham as well. I wouldn't be surprised if both Conte and Potter, who both incidentally might be quite good alternative appointments for us, should it come to it, but Conte and Potter, I wouldn't be surprised if things carry on the way they're going at those two clubs. They'll be sacked within a few a few weeks, and and both of them, you know, have left. Potter's left. Brighton, where he was like a god there and had done wonders, and he's going to be probably sat within a few weeks if it carries on. Conte is meant to be one of the best managers in the world, who Tottenham fans, West Ham fans, every football fan was saying how good Tottenham have done to get him. Both of them could be gone. And, and if you're looking as a potential manager and Chelsea approach you, of course you're going to see the figures on your paycheck and stuff. But you're going to think to yourself, my God, I've got to get this spot on right away from the start or I'm out. I think the fact that the board have supported their managers does show to potential managers that they will be given a fair crack of the, crack of the whip to, to to get the team where they should where the team should be. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Of course, we keep losing games. The league position doesn't lie, but we can turn things around. If if Moyes goes after Brentford, it's a cup game, one of them. So we, in some ways, we could do without the distraction of the cup. In some ways, um, we just focus on Europe and the league. If we lose against Brentford, it's only three more points. We may not even be in the relegation still. If we lose against Leeds, then then the man, then the new manager's got Wolves and Everton to get things up and running, and. Um, and then that's when you make the decision, I think, personally. Mm, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And you've made some good points there. I mean, I just feel that it's the writing's on the wall. Like I say, you, you can see it. You've seen it so many times in football where you've just got that that air of, of I don't know, that the manager is doomed. It just it has that about it. And I don't I know how many times a manager has been in David Moyes' position now and come back from it. I don't know. Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers, yeah. Um, that's yeah. one. I, I Leicester, don't know if Leicester anymore. calling for his head when he was bottom of the league and lost the yeah. first. However many games it is, and now no one talks about him anymore. Um, and, you know, yes, it, five, six games is a long time in Premier League football. And yes, people would be saying the league form's been going on since the whole of 2022. We've been this bad. but mm, And that's I, a fair it, point as well. That's I know, I know, I know all of this, and I and I do understand that. But you know, I, you, when you look at the teams that are above us, realistically, if a new manager comes in, what is the realistic ambition now for West Ham? Are we still saying we need to contend with Champions League? Is that is that where we are? Is it getting no, to Europa not League? at all? No not, stability. It's, we, I think we're now genuinely in a situation where we just need stability. We need to protect our Premier League status. How now. long does that last? Then how? What? What? What is Until our the future? I, I, and then, and then be, what's the ambitions after that? Then we're back to where we have been the last two seasons. Because by then, these players that are bedding into the squad and, um, and we've gone through this transitional season, in inverted commas, that becomes easier. They've spent another six months in in the country, in this squad of players, um, getting to know people, their, their teammates on a personal level and professional level. And then by the summer, you again, how many times have we said, on paper, this is one of, if not the best squad of players we've ever seen at West Ham. So to be sitting 17th in the Premier League, something is not right. And for me, everything is pointing towards the fact that it's David Moyes in charge. I think if you make that change, like we did with Slavin Bilic, like we did with Pellegrini, like we did with Allardyce, you will start to see results. I'll tell you something, though, that does worry me, because you say that, and yes, 90%, 95% of the time, you're right, a change of manager does, does do things for you. But then 
But then you look at Southampton. Now, I know West Ham have got a better squad than Southampton, but they brought in Luton's manager, who had done brilliantly for them at Luton. You know, it got them from basically being there. In, I don't think it was him necessarily that took them from the conference, but not long ago, they were a conference side. I saw them play at Braintree Town with a, with a load of West Ham people because we a player was being watched, and I saw them play, and they brought a massive amount of fans there. You know, Dave Hunt was there from West Ham, and like, I think he could, Chesky might have been there or someone there was loads of West Ham people there and Luton were in the conference and then within a few years he got them to basically I can't remember what they I think they might have lost the playoffs last year didn't they Luton they've had two really good seasons um, and he went to Southampton as the guy that would turn it around highly highly rated manager up and coming manager and Southampton are massively struggling again so what does Southampton do now do they sack him and try and bring in a third manager in a season or do they keep persisting and say well he's the one that we wanted where he might ultimately take them down where Hossen how where his name was might not have you know it's such a it's such a hard thing to predict it's such a hypothetically based um, answer to definitely say that whatever manager comes in will do better than Moyes. I think they might do. I think they could well do because let's be honest, it's not hard to do better than what Moyes is doing at the moment. Mm. But it's just that it's just that like that fear and you know I, I've seen us sack you know, we sacked Bilic um, and we brought Moyes in and he kept us up and, and then we sacked Moyes and we brought Pellegrini in and then that was a disaster. Look how much money collectively he wasted and we brought Moyes back. And, you know, Allardyce we sacked. Should we have sacked Allardyce when we sacked him? You know, there's all these question marks with hindsight and I just, I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid, maybe I'm a mug. But I just think... <laughs> And I'm not convinced of my answer. Honestly, I'm very close not to. I know I'm massively in the minority. I know if I was to put a poll on Patreon or wherever, it would suggest that probably, what, 5% probably still think it. And I'm only talking a couple more games here. But I just, uh, I understand why the board have made the decision. And I spoke to a couple of players. And whilst they are massively concerned and disappointed and think boys is too negative and that he picks on certain players and we focus too much on the the current the opposition rather than our own stuff they do still ultimately back him until someone like i don't know Declan rice or one of the more senior players like bonner or cresswell or someone like that fabianski comes out and says right we've got a real issue here and they go to the board and they say you need to get rid of moyes because players do do that what noble spoke about when he's done things like that they haven't done that yet and that might be a reason why the board are still back yeah but then again you know the, the senior players you're talking about first and foremost would be the captain and will he do that if if he wants to leave the football club anyway? Yeah, and because you've got Moyes Jared Bowen who potentially wants to leave as well. So how many? How, who else other than maybe Aaron Creswell is the big character amongst the group that would go and have that conversation behind Moyes' back? Because you said yourself, they like David Moyes on a personal level. Would they want to do it? Maybe they think he's the world's worst manager, but wouldn't want to shit on him because they like him as a bloke. I don't know about that. I think I think the thing is, Declan, if anyone would want would want Moyes to go, I would imagine because he's because if if you put it from personal reasons, because Moyes is the one that's telling everyone he's not going to sell him and that he's worth one hundred and fifty million and all this stuff. So I think Declan would probably rather a manager come in and says, "Yeah, I'm going to let Declan go at the end of the season." So I don't think personal losses would come into it. I think if they genuinely thought there was a horrendous problem going on with the manager, I think. They 
they would speak to them. But I think the board would ask them to speak to them, you know, and I think that's what Noble will do. And this will be really, really interesting because remember, when Noble was appointed, Noble's briefing, as described by the website, official website, and by David Sullivan and all the people behind the appointments, was to be the link between the players, the manager, and the and and the boardroom, and now I, the board will call Mark Noble in, and they will say to him, "Right, you got to go and work out what the problem is," and then they will call him in. And if Mark Noble turns around and says David Moyes is the problem, then I'm sure the board will get rid of him. I'm sure because that is what Mark Noble's been brought in to do. So let's give Mark Noble get Mark Noble in there for two games three games maybe see where we are see what he thinks and if he comes back to the board after three games and said look I, I love david but he's lost the dressing room the club aren't performing he's got to go then he's got to go and i think that's what what will happen mm. i mean is there a part of david moyes that might feel a little bit uncomfortable with that arrangement then quite is he possibly kind of looking over his shoulder at the fact that mark's there maybe he should feel uncomfortable given the position that well, he's in yeah. because it is a results-based business, and this is the thing. I mean, making the comparisons to Southampton, for example, I don't think I don't think it's fair. I know, you know, conceptually and logically, what you're saying makes sense, but this is West Ham United that have spent a ridiculous amount of money on players. Now, I know Nottingham Forest went absolutely scattergun and done the same, but they are a newly promoted side. And when you look at the names in and around us in the table, apart from Everton, who, by the way, should also be absolutely fuming with the position that they're in. Everyone else is probably there or thereabouts where you'd expect them to be. What would you? But West Ham ain't. You know, we we should be. We should be doing a hell of a lot better than we're doing with these group of players, even in a transitional season. Massively. But let me ask you something, right? If West Ham was to finish 13th in the league, yes, of course, it's not been a great season. I accept that. But what would your opinions be? If I say to you now, right, mate, Mystic X has seen into the future, West Ham are going to finish 13th in the Premier League this season at the end of it with David Moyes in charge or any manager in charge, doesn't matter. What would you say? I'd say it's been a disappointing season. Yeah, but would you take it, given where we are now? I would uh, well, take it as in would would still want David Moyes to stay on if we just would you, would you would you at the end of the season would you? Be oh, I, I I would purely because I'm genuinely genuinely at this stage concerned about relegation if David Moyes stays. So okay. would I take thirteenth of course because I think there's genuinely a chance we could go down under David Moyes. Right. Well, my point is, and obviously it's not the greatest point, but my point is that we're three points away from 13th. Now, of course, we've got to get those points. We've got to we've got to win those games. We've got to assume we will get there. And obviously the other teams are, got, are not going to go on good runs as well. We are, but we are three points away from 13th. Um, now, when I look at the teams above it, you've got Villa on 21, Palace 22, Brentford 23, Brighton 24, Chelsea 25. You know, yes, you, you're going to find it hard maybe to catch them, but one or two of those teams might drop. I'm not saying that, you know, it's all, it's all. I know we're in a relegation battle. I know we are. If we were sitting here, honestly, mate, sitting here with David Moyes in charge, and we were on say eight points or seven points, I'd be like, oh, he's got to go. This is ridiculous. But we are only three points off seventeen. Yes, it could get worse. Two points off the away. bottom of the league as well. Oh, of course, yeah. We actually are in the relegation zone if you take goal difference out of it, because we're mm. equal with um with Forest. But uh, but I am. Um, 
But this is, it's such a difficult question. I'm not saying I'm right. I am trying, trying to offer an alternative opinion because if people if people want to just get Moyes out, go on Twitter. There's people ranting and calling everyone cunts that thinks differently. So go on Twitter, read those tweets and make yourself feel better if you're Moyes out. Go on, go on 95, 97, 98% of any West Ham channel out there and you'll get what you want to hear. But hopefully as people that subscribe to this show and that listen to this show, regularly they will know that we try to offer a balance of opinions i as i have said a 52 percent fee maybe even 51 maybe even 50.1 uh, to i'm even gonna my math is gonna show me up now here but to, to 40 <laughs> to 49.9 you know I, it's not much difference in me switching soon and i'm on the brink of switching but but that is why i can't just quite go just yet if we go to leeds and then we'll find out the answer to that in two days' time. If we go to Leeds and we beat Leeds 2-0, you know, good result, really good result. Ellen Road's going to do that. We're within our capabilities of doing it. If West Ham are playing well, we should expect that result. We could go there, we get that, we go there and then beat Brentford in the Cup. And then we beat Wolves. And then we beat Everton. Yes, it's all hypothetical, but saying that we won't beat them is hypothetical as well. If we go and do that, things look so much more different. And yes, it makes getting us staying up after that harder because you've lost all those games that should be winnable. But this is this is the situation we're in. And there's no one that screams out to me as the right man to bring in right now. Do, do you want Sean Dyche? Because I'm telling you, he will be one of the front runners for the job. 100%. He's good friends with Karen Brady. You know, he will be one of those front runners. Warburton, could you argue that bringing in Warburton is part of the problem? You know, he wasn't Moyes' initial choice. He just kind of got dumped on him, kind of. Is he a problem? Does Moyes have him like looking over his shoulder, like eyeing up this mm. job when mm. when he shouldn't have had him? Moyes, yeah. I, I think Moyes accepted him as an appointment, but I don't think he would have chosen him. Um, and that's why it was so quick and so hush hush. The minute the Birmingham takeover didn't happen where he was meant to be the manager in post oh look shock horror he's brought in at west ham you know mm. that wasn't what david Moyes is doing and then within seconds of that flynn downs is brought in now i'm not going to dig out flynn downs because i actually think he's been a good signing and i like the lad and apparently he's great around the dressing room and it seems to seems to have been a decent signing but david Moyes was very quick at the start of that to say he doesn't think he's ready. He wasn't necessarily, you know, I know he'd scouted him before because I'd reported it, but he, he may not have signed around Warburton. It's not came in, you know, he was on the brink. He was literally, I've got photographs of Flynn Downs in a Crystal Palace shirt, you know, and then Warburton comes in and then he suddenly joins West Ham. You know, maybe that's the problem. I don't know. I really don't know. And, None of us will ever know the, what the right answer is. And it's all very hypothetical because we could we could sack David Moyes after Brentford and then get a new manager in that wins every single game for the rest of the season. But then you could argue David Moyes might have been able to do that. You never know the actual answer to these things. Everything is hypothetical. Um, and and I, think, I think that's where we are. I think to, we, we just see where we are in two games time. If he's sacked after Leeds, oh, sorry, after Brentford in the Cup, there really isn't the end of the world there's still plenty of time including the first two fixtures after for the new manager to turn it around and that's when i would do it because if you bring in the manager now a new manager let's say you brought in a new manager after brentford on monday on friday and then that new manager whoever it may be that new manager then went and lost to leeds brentford wolves and everton what the hell would we be saying then with a new manager involved you know i think 
I'm anxious to see just these two games and then we know what to do then. And I apologise to anyone that's screaming at me right now, but you have to be open to an alternative opinion in life. Yeah, you you absolutely do. And and I, I just, I would give anything for him to turn it around because I think the saddest thing about this X from, from my perspective and maybe many fans' perspective is that I think he's running the risk of destroying his legacy at West Ham. Yes. The yeah. longer this goes on and the more frustration grows, I, I think he, he's going to undo the last two seasons. And Mate, I think that would be such getting a on Twitter. The abuse he's getting on Twitter, yeah. I would say he already has. Yeah, yeah, some, yeah, yeah. But, some... but, then, but that's the thing, you know, like for me, when you look at his results in 2022, not just this season so far, 2022, you look at the fact that he he has a world-class squad, some would say, um, on paper, and he's 17th. The fact that there's constantly question marks over his tactics, persisting with underperforming players, um, his in-game management, constantly digging out players like Ben Rama, who ironically is like, I agree with you, has been one of our best players this season, if not the best, but seems to have, a, have an issue with him. Everything just points towards the fact that he shouldn't be here anymore. And yeah. and I, I just, I'd give anything for it to change for him. I really would, but I just can't see it happening. And it's got to a point where I think it's got so stale now that big players are not playing for him anymore. And I think that it would just take anyone to come in and freshen it up. Just an injection of something new every day that would get this squad of players playing better than they are. And it won't take much, given the quality that we've got, to play better than we are and start to get those results. And I just worry, I worry that the board are content with just taking a gamble on him and 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 hoping for a 17th place finish at the end of the season. Mm. I, I, I think I, they I, are. And I, you could argue you could argue that the board potentially are losing interest in their ownership of West Ham. It's 2023 now. People have talked about that they'll be setting up soon. The board haven't confirmed that. There are interested parties afar looking at the club. I know that they were the same ones before obviously Grzinski's came in now. Um but they're interested maybe 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 they just want to save money and not appoint a new manager. Mm. And hope that Moyes can keep them up and they don't pay any compensation for a new manager, etc. etc. Maybe that is the case. And if that is the case, maybe that's wrong. But again, no, not maybe it's wrong. It is wrong, but we but, but, but we don't know that at the moment. And I've just I don't know. You look at these players that we've signed, you know, you could argue that we signed Scamica and Paqueta. They all knew that David Moyes was the manager. So could it be argued that they signed for this club because of David Moyes? If I don't know if that's the case or not. I really don't. But I'm just throwing it as an opinion. If we suddenly sack him, when that's the manager all these players joined for, are they going to be like, well, he was the manager I signed for. I don't want to be here under Sean Dyche or whoever else comes in. Could it make them? Could it make them even worse? I don't. Well, know. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. With with all due respect to David Moyes, I can't imagine him. You know, having the same sort of pull as some of the top managers in Europe. But I mean, I, I, if anything, I, I'd be more concerned that we've signed these players, and they think they've made a mistake and they want yeah. out already. Well, I they think, think, I think there, this is a nightmare. The biggest, the biggest thing you can throw at David Moyes at the moment, in my opinion, obviously, as I've said, the in-game tactics, the sticking with players that are out of form, is the recruitment. You know, we spent all that money in the summer and we're struggling to get a, a tune out of a, a forward who was lost. He was lost against Brentford because the crossing, the crossing was absolutely diabolical. How, how a Premier League team can cross so badly, so consistently. I've said it from the start. A good cross is a ball that's whipped in, whipped in with pace, 
in the general direction of the forward, but not even necessarily pinpoint to him. And and you you aim for ricochets or it's a bounce kindly. Look at Brentford's first goal. It was flicked on into the area. Guy had a shot. Fabianski probably should have done better and then defence didn't react quick enough and then they scored and we just are crossing is fucking awful awful and it happens time and time and time again if I was in the in the, in the training room I would get them working on their crossing constantly whether they do or not I don't know but that's what I would the set piece defending and attacking is terrible at the moment I don't know how that's gone from being one of our strengths to, to what it is now and the defence are too easily exposed and and, you know, you, you could put that all down, boys. He's the manager, ultimately. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of things wrong at this club, but the recruitment is also one. How can you have a Brazilian international that's meant to be as highly rated as he is, playing how he is? He played all right for the first 15, 20 minutes, and then he was dreadful after that. He couldn't make yeah. five-yard passes. He was yeah. passing to the opposition. You've got an Italian forward that doesn't touch the ball. You know, you've got a Brazil, yeah. a, a Italian international fullback who looks lost at times you've got you know you've got a, a French international goalkeeper one of our highest paid players that can't get in the team ahead of a 36 37 year old who has always got a rick in him yeah I think he's had a decent season this season but I've said again for the last two or three years I don't think he's good enough and I think he's been better this year than he was last year but I still would have Ariola ahead of him uh, because he's a better goalkeeper and I just I don't know. Surely all that points towards the the manager. It does. It it does. It does. There's so much that you could say. But Mm. I don't know, mate. I don't know. I've given an alternative opinion. Speak to me next Monday. We would have had Leeds and we would have had Brentford by then. And I could be calling for the manager to go. And I will say, yes, perhaps. Well, not perhaps. I was too slow in calling it, but I'm calling it now. And I still believe, even if we sack him on Monday, it isn't two months, three months too late. I think it shows that you give your managers a chance to turn things around. It shows to the players that the, the, it won't all be down to the manager, that other people will be held to account. It shows to potential managers that you might get time at the club and there is still time to turn it around. You've still got February, March, April, May. Don't forget, we've missed a large chunk of the season because of the World Cup. So effectively, you know, we haven't played as many games by this time in January as we would have in any other season. We've only played 17 games. It's a 38-game season in the league. Mm. So you've got 21 games to turn it round. Well, if you're going to give Moyes two more, you've got you've got 19 games to turn it round. That is plenty of time because you're only three points at this point away from 13th place. So I think even if he does go at the end of the Brentford game, um, then it is it, you've, we, it was the right decision to keep him up to this point, and he'll still have part of January to bring in some players as well. Yeah, I mean, whilst I'm I'm very much Moyes out now, with regret as well, by the way, because I, I really do like him. And, and yours has only came, memories. sorry to interrupt, mate, again, but yours has only came a week ago. Let's be honest, it's not like you've been saying it for the last three months. You said it last week that your time's come, or maybe the week before. Yeah, possibly the week months. before. Yeah, yeah, because everyone, uh, yeah, but that also shows that I think I've also given him more patience than yeah, a lot of people. Enough. Yeah, Um yeah. So, uh, and, and I just think for overwhelming reasons, I genuinely do think he's come to an end now. And, and I don't think he should have been in charge for Brentford, personally. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said that the week before when I yeah. when I called for him to go out. I think I actually called it uh, the Arsenal game. Because okay. I think prior to the Arsenal game, I was I was still, okay, unless yeah, there's a yeah. alternative out there. But the, 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 the absolute shit show against Arsenal, for me, just cemented that he ain't going to turn this round. And then Brentford at home, 
I mean, a counter-argument to my argument is that for the opening 15 minutes against Brentford, I it, it we didn't look like a side that didn't want to play for their manager. No. So that, that's, that's one glimmer of hope, I suppose, is that maybe he hasn't lost the dressing room. And maybe it is just a confidence issue at the moment that one bit of luck, one little win, one three points, maybe that could come against Leeds, could change everything. We, we do live in hope, but... My wider concern here is that this isn't just about the 17-game season, the transitional season. It is the back end of last season as well that's a problem. So I, I genuinely think there is rot setting in. And I also genuinely hope that, that I'm wrong. Um, just, I, I, I mean, mate, I, I agree. And what, what you're saying is very balanced as well. You're right. You were one of the latter people to come to the party, so to speak, yeah. on, on one yeah. ways out. But one other alternative I'll throw in there, and I'm looking, yeah, I am clutching at straws a bit at the moment. I really am. And because I'm, I realise my argument for keeping him isn't that strong. There's many that people disagree with me, but I am, um, you look at some of the results this season, you know, the, the Premier League have even came out and admitted that VAR was wrong with that Cornet goal against Chelsea. Right mm. now, if we'd if we'd if that had stood, which it should have stood, everyone says it should have stood. Now that would have been a what would it have been? It would have been a draw, wouldn't it? At Chelsea, it would have been a draw at Chelsea, having been two one down, or, and it would have been a last minute win, which would have a last minute like feel like a last minute win when you score at the end like that. That could have changed things. Nottingham Forest, Declan Rice missed a penalty, and we hit the post so many times. That's four points with those four points. That's just two games I've picked with those four points. That puts you up to thirteenth. And with 18 points, three points away from Villa in 12th, four from Palace in 11th, and five from Brentford in 10th. You know, and and that and that that alone changes, and that would have taken two points off, uh, one point off Chelsea, so that would have been closer to you as well. That alone changes things to David Moyes, and that was right at the start of the season, and you're getting these, like, runs of... I really believe football is very heavily momentum-based, which is why you and I often argue about... Do you change a winning team or not? And I and I I really believe momentum and morale is so important in football. And if and those results could have changed things completely. And now if we get a good, if we can nick a win, look at look at the season we stayed up under Kirbishley. We would we were like awful, and we were at the bottom of the league. We just lost four three to Tottenham in the last minute, having been won that game, and then. We get that really dodgy go at Blackburn. Do you remember where it was Zamora? Yeah. I think it was on the line and it didn't cross the line and all of that. And all of a sudden we go on the great escape and we stay up. And we remember that season for, and I swear to you, if we brought in any manager at that point, to sack Kirbishley, we would have gone down then. But he got that momentum and, and it changed things. Now, again, I'm not saying I'm absolutely right, but it's something to consider the, the, the results. Apart from recently, Brentford, we, you know, like you said, we were good for the first half. We played well. Arsenal, we were good for the first half. We were winning at half time against Arsenal. You know, we're close. We're close to getting the right results. And maybe he deserves that time. And yes, then we'll see what happens. That's the bottom line. And I apologize to everyone that now hates me. No, I, I love the positivity and I love the optimism. I, I, I just wish I could share it with you. I'd give anything to share it with you. I just can't see it personally, but um, this is the fucking life and times of a, as a West Ham fan. Well, this it? is it, honest. mate. I mean, let's be honest. We've <laughs> we've released a book before Christmas, Highest yeah. Lows of Decanios, which documents a whole decade at West Ham in the 1990s. In that mm. time, we talked about a relegation, a relegation battle, a bond protest, a, a, a number of relegations 
relegation battles, um, losing our best players, uh, the ball, uh, you know, managers being sat randomly, some terrible signings, some really good signings, and then you go into the 2000s, relegations, promotions, brilliant signings, not great signings. Then you, and then we're still in, you know, then we're in into the 2010s, and we were, you know, got promoted there, almost got relegated under Billich, almost got relegated under Pellegrini, had some great years under Moyes then we go into the 2020s and still had some great years under Moyes potentially getting relegated it is West Ham but Mm. I'm sorry it is what West Ham is and maybe this is just another part of the ongoing cycle Moyes will get sacked we'll have a a decent season under a new manager a couple of decent seasons and we'll be in the same boat again maybe it's just just what West Ham is unfortunately yeah of course it's the West Ham way it is the West Ham way (laughs) right okay it's also January which means a transfer window is open hooray (laughs) let's see what (laughs) it has to say (laughs) away days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for McDonald's Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.